writing. No, that sounded like diarrhea. It didn't sound like a slur. <laughs> I'm drinking Grapeco. Oh, okay. <laughs> Since 1916. Diarrhea. Since 1916. All righty. Okay. Uh, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and present today's uh, idea? Yeah, so today is a little bit different. You probably can tell by the title. Or maybe not. Maybe T.O. threw you off with the title. Yeah. A red herring. It was red herring all along. (laughs) Just like in a pup named Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Uh, With today, we're trying our hand at one-shots again. We haven't done a one-shot in, like, I don't know. Close to a year, I want to say. It's been, yeah, it's been at least half a year. Yeah. Um, I feel like we did one after uh, Where in the World is Waldo. That was back in, like, January. We did an accidental one with uh, uh, Fat Albert versus the World. That's right. Yeah, so it was that, um, the Where in the World is Waldo, and then the Marvel Combat. That was literally the only, like, quote-unquote one-shots we did. And the only one that was planned was Where in the World is Waldo. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Marvel but Combat was kind of planned. It was kind of planned, but it, it was more like a video game rather than like a, a, a comic book idea. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a we got two and a half one shots this year, basically. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're trying our hand again at one shots. We've been on the the DC and Marvel kick for a while. I'm gonna try our hands again at this. So I was. Texan Tio trying to come up with ideas. I was basically asking him, like, what's your favorite movie in this? What's your favorite movie in that? Just so I could try to, like, compile something. Unfortunately, um, a lot of my... Because he was asking specifically about, like, non-animated ones. And unfortunately, my pool for, not like, favorite non-animated movies is stuff like I Am Legend or The Assassination of Jesse James. So it's, like, not stuff that's really conducive to a crossover. Right. Well, with the I Am Legend, like that's one I can probably do in the future. I had one idea for that, but uh, that's something possibly in the future. Um, but with uh, today, we kind of settled on something. Um, it might possibly turn into something else. But we came to the possible conclusion of a predator, like the movie Predator, not like a, not like a sexual predator. Yeah, not like a have a seat over here, predator. You want to be um, a star, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking Chris Hansen. Why don't you have a seat? That's what I was thinking. Oh, 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 to catch a predator. Okay, I yeah. was thinking like casting couch. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> um, like, have you ever seen um, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a little weird, but have you ever seen like a, like I guess it's a meme of like an anime girl version of like, google i guess um sitting on a couch and uh and there's like a word bubble coming from off off panel asking like so you say you're 18 today huh because <laughs> like it was for like when when google was turning 18 yeah yeah because google's a shockingly young company for how influential it's been oh yeah it's insane but uh so yeah we're doing predator as in like alien versus predator that yeah, predator. as in like the Arnold Schwarzenegger fought the predator. Exactly. Um, 
we're doing that crossover with Planet of the Apes. Yes. Um, and, and possibly, we'll see how much mileage we get out of this. I have like a somewhat of an idea and we can possibly uh, uh, roll with it. We'll see how much mileage we can get out of this. If, if it like only gets like 20 or so minutes, we can then just go into like other Predator crossovers because that's an easy thing with Predator is like it could cross over with almost anything. Even if it's funny, it could cross over with almost anything. Yeah. Predator versus Dog Welder. Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Because I I mentioned to Tio, I was like, some of the best Predator movies, or or just a Predator movie in general, is like, it's one movie for like at least the third of that movie, and then boom, Predator pops in. Yeah. Yeah, like like the first act is a different movie from acts two and three, basically. Yeah, because that was that was literally what the first Predator was with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but so I have like a, a small premise. I think because I mentioned that, I think my premise like is kind of the reverse of that. My premise, at least the third of it, focuses on Predator. Okay. All right, go ahead and continue. But I was saying, I think uh, at least the first third of this would focus on Predator in terms of Predator uh, meets Planet of the Apes or versus Planet of the Apes, whatever. Yeah. For um, me, I think the title would be something along the lines of Predator on the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's not bad. Because whenever we had come up with that crossover, yeah. the first thing that popped in my mind was Predator of the Apes. But then I was like, huh, that sounds like... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, cause a lot of times, like when, when a planet of the apes crossover happens, like for example, the King Kong planet of the apes crossover in the comic books, uh, is called Kong on the planet of the apes. Okay. So like whenever it's like something, something versus planet of the apes, it's usually like thing on planet. Of yeah, the apes. yeah. That makes sense. But my premise starting off is basically you have the predator in its ship uh, flying around in space, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think it's trying to go towards earth or something. You could possibly say it's like, uh, cause, cause there's mo- there's multiple predators that go to earth. It's not just one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but this one is, is going to earth and maybe because it, I would assume the gal, like where the predators live and where earth is, is like super far apart. Um, maybe there's like, I don't know, like a, ast- a bunch of asteroids or something. And like it's, it's ship gets hit by one of the asteroids or something like that damages the ship. And it sets, it, it has its course set for earth. And, like, it's not able to do, like, the the light speed or whatever that their technology can do because it was damaged by the asteroid. So it's still headed to Earth, but it realizes, like, oh, crap, this is going to take a while. So we'll just assume the Predator ship has some sort of, like, uh, because this is a lot of sci-fi, some sort of, like, cryogenic, like, sleeping chamber, kind of. Um, Yeah, it can generally be assumed Predators have access to that. Yeah, because there's a lot of sci-fi movies that have yeah. that. Like Interstellar has that. There's 
You know, honestly, I always just kind of assumed that Predators had that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're so much more technologically advanced than us. You can assume they have them. Yeah, that's, that's um, one of those things where if, like, if they showed me that in a Predator movie, that they just kept themselves cryogenically frozen when they're out in space, like, I wouldn't doubt it for a second. Yeah. They and would with this, immediately be like, okay, they freeze. Yeah. With this, it makes sense um, that, like, uh, it, it would do that because it's like, oh, like, it's probably going to take, like, 100 or so years to actually get to Earth. So, so let me uh, cryogenically sleep for a little while. So that's also part of why this, this plays in well. It's going to Earth, or he, whatever the predator is, he, she, I don't care. Uh, he is going to be Wombo. <laughs> I wombo, you wombo, he she we wombo, wombology, the study of wombo, SpongeBob. <laughs> but but yeah, so like uh, he was originally going to Earth because like a lot of times when predators go to Earth, it's like oh like this is going to be a good hunt basically. They're they're they like trophies. Predators do. Um, and so man, man itself, not saying like, oh man, I'm saying like, man, the, the people, man is a, a good hunt, basically. He's going to yeah. go to that destination, that habitat of man. The thing is, because of the whole asteroid thing and him having to go into cryogenic slumber, hundreds of years have passed to where the whole plan of the apes thing happens and like, Man is basically not really there anymore. Yeah. It is apes, yeah. and so like so. So we're going for more classic, like Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes. Yes. Okay. Because that was going to be one of my questions: is are we going for prequel trilogy or are we going for classic? Uh, no, like like more of more of classic, I, a mix of both. Because I would like the apes to be more violent than in the original yeah like like i'd like them to be like violent as in like the recent trilogy yeah yeah like that period of time between the the prequels and the original where like they were still like even in spite of their intelligence they were still very primitive and animal like yeah yeah exactly the reason I say violent is I, I want them to the big thing is like I want it to feel like uh like predator is kind of the prey in this. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because they're obviously going to have a ton of different like tactics that they have to uh deal with like an intruder in their area and yeah. their natural mobility through like the trees and stuff is gonna like help them with executing those sorts of plans. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so so eventually he I'm trying to think. I guess like uh, lands or crash lands. Maybe it's like that. Like he lands in like a, the cryogenic slumber thing finally like wakes him up. He pops out of the ship and like uh it's basically like the, well i'm trying to think so he pops out of the ship maybe he's like oh like uh 
what his ship they have the technology he probably knows what year it is or whatever um but he just assumes like oh like there it's been a while but humans are still did you look at me (laughs) i do i do have another question yeah so okay so they don't speak english the the predators Right. Um, are we giving him subtitles? Yeah, that'd be fine. Because, <laughs> well, because one thing I'm wondering is like we could give him subtitles, or we could leave it up to like viewers slash readers, depending on what this would be, uh, to get everything through context. Yeah, I kind of would like that a little bit more. Um, yeah, I kind of like that more. We're like our at least. At least for the first third, if not longer, our, our main character doesn't really speak. But but like you're That's, saying, like you do get a lot out of it. Even like, even though, for the most most of the time he has the mask on, because that's the thing you got to be careful with Predator. Yeah. Which you we will take off the mask because like hey like, these are animals. He is an alien, but like it's not a human face, so it's okay. But you gotta you gotta ease the audience into not rooting for the person watching him. Yeah. Because the mask kind of helps with that. It more like humanizes the predator. I yeah. think. Yeah, not knowing that he's a big scary ugly monster under there. Yeah, not knowing he has that terrifying mouth and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, having him like do kind of mime everything and do everything that the audience starts to pick up through context will be fine in the early drafts until one of the producers sees a test screening and is confused and tells us we need to put subtitles on it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Essentially I want him to have like, I I want this to be the, the hard assignment of basically having the Mandalorian, but if the Mandalorian couldn't speak. (laughs) Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That would be rough. Holy crap. Mm Mm-hmm. Someone can write that good, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. There's no question in my mind there are writers that good. It's just, um, you know, it's it's either dumb audiences or dumb executives that, like, don't get it and want it to change. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, with this, we're going to have to, like, uh, we're going to have to have, like, if executives come on set or they're looking at some test screen and we got to distract them with some stuff. We got to, we got to, be like, hey, look, I got a pretty lady. Look at pretty lady over here. Pretty lady in her underwear. Ignore this first third of the movie. <laughs> and like, once again, I know this is this is uh, something that I go back to really frequently, but I don't need people explaining what Godzilla is doing. Exactly. Yeah. Just show me Godzilla doing it. I can understand. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to Predator. Yeah, that that is the big problem with Godzilla is the constant going into going towards a person, be like, "Oh my gosh, he's going to fight him." It's like, yeah, I I picked up on that. He 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 was gearing up, ready to to go attack him. I I I got that. You see that attack that Kong just did on him? That's called a punch. That's his mighty Kong punch. Well, thank God Godzilla versus Kong didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, he he crash lands. Um, 
I'm trying to think. So, so, or not crash lands, he lands, but he's in like a area. He, he's like scanning. They're like hunters slash like trackers, basically. They're like, yeah, like the name says, they're predators. They, they know how to traverse areas, even if it's unknown to them, really. They're like an entire species of Teddy Roosevelt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt, he actually got lost in the woods once and came across a predator. And the predator almost killed him. But the predator, during their little bout, had respect for Teddy Roosevelt. And uh, they had a, a, a nice adventure in the woods. And Teddy Roosevelt learned the ways of the predator. And that's where Teddy Roosevelt learned all of his hunting techniques. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's see. Lance is doing his predator thing, uh, walking around. Obviously, he wants to go hunt, but right now it's like, crap, I've been asleep for like a hundred or hundreds of years. Like, and I would like, I, I like the idea that like, it lasted longer than he thought. Yeah. And maybe like a hundred years and it turns out it's been like, Oh, it's like two or 300 years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, he's, he's trying to get his bearings. He, he's going around. Um, trying to think, would it be one of those things where like, uh, Oh, okay. Let me see. Well, one thing know. he needs is food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's like one of the main things he's looking for now is like food. So yeah, he could be like hunting, like like us hunting, like like going for a yeah. deer. Or yeah, like elephant. food hunting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Normal hunting, not, not predator hunting. Well, predator yeah. hunting, but not like predator, predator hunting. <laughs> yeah. Boy, this one is a linguistic challenge, isn't it? For this one, though, you could possibly do... Um, Depends on whatever region he landed in. You can just say, like, uh, based on where these animals are. Because what I would like is, like, he's... Oh, I'd like this. This is what I would like. Okay, so there's, like, a deer or whatever. You, you see it, like, eating grass or whatever, acorns, all that stuff in the woods. And then, like, a mountain lion appears. And, yeah. like starts chasing the deer or is like about to kill the deer or maybe kills the deer. And then the predator then kills the mountain lion. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I like the idea that he's hunting another predator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you saying deer and mountain lion. Okay. So that pretty, I think squarely plants us in North America. There we go. Uh, Cause I was going to say we could do something that would be even more of a headache on, uh, like in terms of like the producers watching it and stuff. And that is uh, set it in the Amazon rainforest. Everybody speaks Portuguese, but uh, <laughs> yeah. all the apes speak Portuguese, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I think setting it in North America would probably, it would keep it familiar enough to, to. That would be hilarious. If it was a predator movie that was like, it was nothing but subtitles for the actual human characters. Like, like this first third, there's like no dialogue that comes from this character. You hear him make like noises and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. His usual yeah. predator. Yeah. stuff. But like, uh, whenever the first bit of dialogue, comes, like you see a human and you're like, Oh yeah, someone's about to talk. And then <laughs> they don't, they don't speak English and it's subtitles. And 
the, actually, the um, like, what the heck? Actually, at this point in time, um, none of the humans would be able to speak. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. So it would be the apes, probably. That's like, right. Yeah. Like the apes in that area would likely be speaking Portuguese or whatever the most widespread language in whatever area the predator ends up in is would would have been when yeah. they took over. Because, um, because that is one thing. Like I, I get that. Like you know, back in the '60s, it's just a simple sci-fi thing where it's like the weird sci-fi concept is that the apes are the ones who took over, and like having them speak their own unique language that developed over hundreds of years, probably rooted in English but still different, would have made things a little too complicated. And it's like we're just this is just a movie about apes. Yeah. But like, so for me, that tells me though, like from like just the standpoint of analyzing this, like if this were the real world. Um, we would have to say that, like, it probably just, like, every area of the world, all of the apes probably just speak whatever language the humans around them spoke up until they became intelligent. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And then, like, there just hasn't been a whole lot of development linguistically because uh, they've all been in the process of learning it. Yeah. So, like, none of it's really had the chance to evolve yet. Because to me, when I when I look at that, I think, like, I understand that yes, like the apes would speak whatever language of whichever area of the world they're in, but also um, it would also make sense that like after however many hundreds of years it takes between when Charlton Heston left as an astronaut and when he lands back on earth, the apes in, in my head, I think likely would have formed like a new, either a new language or adapted the English language to such an extent that it's unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, that makes sense. But this is a simple sci-fi movie, so we just yeah. gotta say they speak the language of whatever area they're in. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, he's hunting for food, and I like the idea that he hunts uh, an actual predator, um, and like might eat both, might eat the deer as well as the predator. Yeah, he might, he might let the mountain lion kill the deer, and then kill the mountain lion, and then just eat both. Yeah, because he's a big fat pig. Yeah. maybe he takes a tiny little trophy from the mountain lion like one of its claws or something or it's a butthole muscle yeah (laughs) I'm going to wear this it's sphincter as a necklace (laughs) a choker (laughs) 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 where is that that's disgusting I'll wear it as a wristband. There we go. A scrunchie for my weird dreadlock things. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, finally, I can get a new scrunchie and add it to my collection. And then he like he he uh it shows his wrist and he has like a bunch of those quote unquote scrunchies on his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Every planet I go to, <laughs> I collect the butthole muscles of <laughs> the mightiest animal. I can find. <laughs> Soon I will have the butthole of man. <laughs> so yeah, he's uh he's chowing down. Um I think so. At this point, hmm. 
either while he's chowing down or whenever he's resting. Because I would assume, like, you just got out of cryogenic slumber. Like, you're, like, yes, you've been, like, quote-unquote sleeping, but, like, you're still trying to get acclimated. Like, yeah. So, so like, either while he's eating or at one point when he's just, like, resting for a bit before he continues <clears throat> that's when like uh uh either he hears noises in the trees or 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 it could be that he hears noises in the trees and he's just like looking around and uh like what the heck and like maybe he does his little uh little blaster thing that's on his shoulder he like that lifts up yeah. And maybe he, like, aims at one of the trees that has the noises and he blasts the tree and you see, like, giant hole happen in the tree. But there's yeah. no, like, uh, no creature there or anything. And then more more rustling in the trees around him and then, like, a blow dart or something like that hits him. Um, Does it, okay, so, so, okay, so he was eating. Oh, which means he probably took his helmet off, didn't he? Maybe let me see. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. Because, because for me, the blow dart works best with the helmet off because then that means his neck is probably exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, also, I, I think it's one of those... um activating the blaster and firing it off right away. To me, if he was wearing the helmet, he would have switched to like infrared vision or something to try and see what was making the noise. Yeah. But if he's like reacting in the moment without putting the helmet on, then I then I feel like it, yeah, you're, what you're saying does make more sense that he would just like blast a thing off and then get hit with a blow dart. Yeah, yeah, that works. But yeah, like maybe it's like a blow dart and like uh, he just like swats it away and he like aims again at another tree, blast big old hole in the tree, fire and all that, but you don't really see anything. Um, and then like uh. Like uh, multiple blow darts, like yeah, like, yeah, hit him, and then that like knocks him out. Yeah, like that bit in Black Widow when Red Guardian is uh is he gets hit with a dart, and he's like, it's going to take more than that, and there's you just see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was exactly. just that's so okay. So some people don't like that joke because it's overplayed in a lot of stuff. That will always be one of my favorite jokes in something where like yeah, yeah. someone gets hit with a tranquilizer and doesn't go down, so they just get hit with like this this mountain of tranquilizers. Yeah, yeah, it, it always works best. Yeah, when it's when it's like a like a ton, like an insane amount of tranquilizers, or if it's just like in some movies, it's like a giant version of it. Yeah, like stuff like that, like playing it up. Yeah, it that that doesn't really get old to me either. But, uh, so yeah, like, uh, I'm trying to think. So he's coming to, I would assume. Probably behind bars. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. And they, to... they would have found a way to strip him naked. Yeah, yeah. All of his stuff would be off, I would think. Even his wristband where he could, like, uh, uh, blow him blow himself up and all that <laughs> yeah yeah his last his his last resort bomb would, would yeah. be gone so he wouldn't even be able to kill himself yeah so yeah like he's like behind bars um oh okay so he's behind bars he's in his own little cell or whatever um 
and like uh, I'm trying to think at this point at what point does like the full face of Predator get shown is it, it like because I was imagining with the previous scene where he takes off the helmet it like doesn't really show it like, like it, it definitely shows like um, well, it has to if you're going to show him like like going crazy, like freaking out, shooting trees and all that. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I think I think one thing you could do to avoid showing the whole face would be like maintaining a focus on his eyes when he's freaking out and shooting mm. the trees. There we go. Perfect. And like anytime he fires, it's a behind the back shot. Yeah. And yeah, we'll perfect. say that like he, he started a campfire and cooked the meat, obviously, before he ate it. So like yeah. uh like anytime it's a wider shot, it's just his silhouette against the, the light of the fire, right? Yeah, exactly. So like there there are ways to maintain dramatic tension while still like obscuring his appearance. Yeah, and he doesn't take off the helmet to like he actually sits down with his mill. Yeah, yeah, till he like sits down to eat it. Yeah, exactly. Which is when 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 the apes strike. Yeah. So, and then when he wakes up behind the bars, I think that's like a first person shot. Yeah, yeah, We're, yeah. we're seeing yeah. the cell and the bars from the Predator's perspective. Yeah. And I, I like the idea that these these bars, the cell, it's kind of dark. It's not like it's lit up or anything. They could be, we don't know right now. One, because I haven't thought about it, but also two, the audience doesn't know where exactly mm-hmm. they are. They could be like, uh, in a dungeon for all we know um yeah. it's kind of dark not well lit um and like yeah so at, at one point when you finally do see like not a first person perspective um it could just be like the eyes it could be the eyes because i'm leading up to a point it could be the eyes and like uh he's looking around darting around he he like is looking down. This could also be first person. He's looking down at his arms, legs, chest, all that. All of it's gone. It's basically like a naked predator. Maybe they gave him like a loincloth or, yeah. or if he had a loincloth or whatever, that's what he has. Um, but yeah, like all of his technology stuff is gone. Um, and he's like kind of like, oh, like, like freaking out kind of. Um, he's, he's trying to like, shake the the cage a little bit like shake the bars somewhat try to break them it's not really working he's making a lot of noise doing this like with the metal as well as like him self making noise like struggling and like uh you hear this noise off to the side it's like Ugh, or whatever can can weren't the humans able to like at least make a noise or something oh yeah the humans still have voices they just can't speak okay yeah so so you hear a noise. I know I kind of like ruined that tension, but you hear a noise. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's okay. This is a this is about like uh you know breaking the story basically. This is about working yeah. it out. And... Yeah. So so you hear a noise, like uh off in like a the side, and he like quickly turns. He's like the predator turns, and he's like looking, and his eyes haven't adjusted yet to like this kind of dimly lit dark yet. There's sunlight. There's sunlight. There's a reason there's going to be sunlight. In just a second, he like walks up closer, and there's like more bars. There's bars to where like he was walking to, where he heard this noise. There's bars in his way, and he starts shaking those bars, 
And when he does that, he hears the noise again, like, blah, blah, or whatever. Uh, you hear Ooga Booga or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, uh, he's not startled because they're warriors. But he, like, shakes it again. And uh, you see this, like, quote, unquote, thing. It's dimly lit. His eyes are adjusting slash uh, a little bit of light. Like, kind of, like, crawling towards him a little bit. And then it stands up, and it's kind of revealed that it's like a human. Yeah. It's revealed it's a human. And that's the reason they came here, was to kill humans. Yeah. So, like, uh, when it shows the human, the human's like, duh, or, uh, or whatever, making a noise. Blah, 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 blah. It then, like, the light, kind of, like, the dimly lit light, kind of focuses on the predator. And I think this is the first time you see its face in the movie where it like is looking and it's like, this is the prey I've been after. Like even in this situation, he's still in like hunter mode. Yeah. Um, and he like looks and he like does the, the scary mouth thing where he's like, like, like he's like, like yeah. shaking the bars, like trying to reach the human, but the human's like backed up, like not letting him reach it. And you see the predator's face in that moment. Um, and he's just like trying to get his prey, but he's not able to. And then at that moment, like, right when he's like trying to reach for the human that's when some of the uh uh apes walk down and it's kind of the reveal then of like uh that oh it's like i I know the movie is called it has plenty of the apes in it but this is like the big reveal that like oh the people that like blow darted him it was apes Uh, it was the apes all along yeah they, they like walk down and they're like uh like silence or whatever, and like tase them or whatever and gets them to like stop shaking the the bars and trying to get the human or whatever yeah they got like shock sticks yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah so if this is okay so if this is if we're saying this is between caesar's rise and the original movie um, at this particular stage in development for both humans and apes, with humans already having lost uh, their ability to speak, um, and apes uh, having already started rounding them up and constructing cages for them, so I feel like this does, in terms of like the technological development, lean further towards the original. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think, in terms of like uh, like the types of clothes the apes would be wearing because i feel like they'd be clothing themselves at this point yeah yeah, yeah. um it's probably still somewhat primitive like the clothes they're wearing might still have more in common with the primitive stuff the humans are wearing than uh what they're wearing by the time the first planet of the apes takes place yeah like i feel like males would probably still be like wearing loincloths and such yeah yeah that makes sense or or at least like loose fitting animal skins Right. Ooh, and you know, oh, you know what? And like, it could be like whatever the predator does throughout the course of this movie could be what encourages the apes to start developing things like armor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the thing is, this also uh, fits in the timeline too, because like, the predators don't speak English, right? Like nothing that they 
like none of the vocalizations they do sound like language to us. Right. So, and one of the things about the Charlton Heston movie is that like all of the apes are astounded the first time he speaks. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, it's a talking human. So it's like that, like this still maintains that like, even if this were somehow for some reason incorporated into the main planet of the apes timeline, it still maintains that like, as far as they know, they'd never heard anything but apes speak so far. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. This is who we've created a thing that could theoretically fit inside the planet of the apes timeline. And oh yeah. Also, I think predator and planet of the apes are both owned by Disney right now. So this is something they could reasonably make. There you go. Whenever you got to do the, uh, break glass in case of emergency. Here you go. Yeah, right. Dude, I'd watch a Predator on the Planet of the Apes movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm not saying this is like amazing, but like I like the way it's going in my head so far. Like, Me too. Uh, if you can go in like this type of direction, because I like the idea of like, because ultimately the best Predator movies are where like it's a different movie than Predator pops in. I like this like subversion of that. I'm not trying to pull a uh, uh, Ryan what's his face from the Last Jedi where we're Ryan subverting Johnson. the expectations. Ryan Johnson. I'm not trying to do that, but I do like the the subversion here where it's like, oh no, like the the first third of this is like a Predator movie, and then it turns into a Planet of the Apes movie. By it into, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, my big thing is I know like up until this, cause this is basically like 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. If not a little bit more. I know up until this, then the rest, like I know how the movie will play out. I don't know details. Like I, I can say how it will play out and then we can like fill in from there. Yeah. Cause in my head now I see it as like eventually what was his original prey, his original reason for coming here humans Eventually, he, like, not entirely teams up with the human, but it's like a common enemy thing. It's like, if I'm going to get out of here, I got I to team up with you. Yeah. That sort of thing. So he teams up with at least that human that we're introduced there. Yeah. Um, if not another one, because we could show, like, that human die, and then another one appears, and he teams up with that one. Whatever. Yeah. He teams up with one of the humans to try to possibly, like, at one point, he's probably, like, Ooh, these apes are like good prey. Like they they took out the humans. They must be really good. Um, yeah. Maybe he tries hunting them, but he's like unsuccessful at it. Um, but he, he maybe he kills like one or two apes. So ultimately, it's like no, like yeah. it's not going your way. To where he basically, I think this is interesting for a predator. He has to like admit to himself like, oh, I gotta call off the hunt basically. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Like I need to run. <laughs> like I need to leave. I gotta cheese it. <laughs> yeah. Like and, and basically it'd be like him and whatever human it is working together to get to the ship and and leave yeah. the planet of the apes. Yeah. 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 I feel like he leads like a small revolution, at least like one village's worth of a revolution. Yeah. Um, okay, here here is a question in my mind. Okay. So 
Um, and I know, I know I keep referring back to the, um, like, you know, Planet of the Apes movies in particular, but that's because I know, I know those better than Predator. So, um, uh, one, one thing I, uh, have a question of is as far as the physical development of the apes, because by the time the Charlton Heston movie rolls around, they're all roughly human shape and size. Right. right. Um, as far, so as far as the physical development of the apes goes, um, are we leaning more towards they're still physically uh, diverse in terms of like gorillas are gorillas and chimps are chimps? Or are we leaning more towards uh, the 60s movie where they're all basically humans? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I almost see like an in-between. Like yeah. uh, I do like a decent bit being like close to that human look. But then also there's some that are like uh, these big gorilla people. Yeah. Like maybe gorillas have gotten a bit smaller and like chimps have gotten a bit bigger. But like for the most part, they're still kind of different. Yeah, yeah. Though chimps honestly don't have to change in size too much. Those things are pretty close to human as it is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I basically laid out how it would go in terms yeah. of details. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. All right, so here's what I think happens in terms of like some character details and like what what sorts of characters would likely be involved. Um, so yeah. human buddy from the cell over is going to be Predator's main ally for this. Um, yeah. And I feel like Predator almost immediately comes to the conclusion that apes are going to be a better hunt for him here. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so he gets out, and I I feel like his main objective to start with is get out and get his his armor back, get my gear, and time to go hunt for some apes. I, hey, yeah. I, this was a little detour in in me being here, but guess what? I found a better hunt. Yeah. That's how I see his outlook being. Oh, and I think another thing that he discovers is that the apes have located his ship and are keeping it somewhere yeah yeah because they want to study it yeah um and we'll say maybe they get one or two things off his ship that kind of kickstart like their scientific revolution yeah that's a good idea um but for the most part like he's able to get get out of there with most of his stuff intact by the end yeah yeah but um so yeah so he busts out Human buddy helps him get his, uh, uh, you know, we'll just call it the human buddy. So buddy helps him get uh, uh, his his gear back, like his personal gear. And at yeah. first, predators thinking like, all right, I'll I'll take some trophies for the road home, um, and starts uh, like getting out there to try and hunt some apes down and like try and set some traps of his own and, and some such. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like his main rivalry, our Arnold Schwarzenegger for this movie, is a gorilla. Because gorillas usually make up like the bulk of the military force in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. So um, his, his main rival is going to be a gorilla character. That way he can be big and beefy like Arnold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so like this gorilla character is going to be the guy who like leads most of the efforts to like hunt the predator down and take him down and he's going to be like the main threat um so the predator is probably going to realize at some point at some point like 
me and Buddy can't just do this on our own. I'm going to have to like free all the humans and use them as a distraction um, to at least get back on my ship and get out of here. Well, hold on. So, so before we get to that, so I'm assuming at one point he breaks out, maybe he gets the help of that human buddy to, uh, to help break him out. But at that point, the reason he was breaking out was to like get his gear, but ultimately like, Hey, time to go on the hunt. Pretty Um, much. But, but yeah, like that, maybe he kills one or two, but ultimately it fails. Um, whether he gets captured or super injured or whatever it is, something goes really wrong to where he's like, okay, I was prepared for something else. I was prepared for humans. I was not prepared for this. Um, like, I, I, I got to get out of here. Eventually he, he comes to that realization. Um, and eventually either, either he's locked up or whatever it is again, and he gets the help of Buddy, that human, uh, to help break him out again, as well as he breaks out Buddy. And like you're saying now, this leads into this part where he has to go find more humans. To Ultimately, he realizes, like, it's kind of that realization of, like, I can't get out of here by myself. Yeah. I realize now that I need to get out of here. Like, this hunt isn't worth it <laughs> anymore. Or, like, like... Ultimately, I'm the prey now because they're all hunting me. Oh, it could be that. He got super injured. He got yeah. super injured when hunting uh, uh, all the the apes and stuff. Super injured. And now ultimately, like, this group, okay, this works because that's a big thing with Planet of the Apes is they're not all thinking the same. They're not all on the same path, it's the right track. Yeah. Some have their own motives. The guy, that big gorilla guy, he leads like a band or a platoon or whatever that like they're kind of ruthless in their hunting. Like like they kind of do it for sport. Like yeah. like ultimately they're they're sent by like a higher power within the ape world. But like whenever they go out, they just enjoy it. They they do it for sport. They'll they'll kill humans, do whatever. So so like at one point he sees like that ruthlessness in this group of apes that are hunting him. So now that he's the prey, he has to then get some help from the humans, breaks out buddy, gets buddy to show him where uh, those other humans are. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. And and since predator, like ultimately he's not like, doesn't care about these humans. Like, Oh no, definitely not. No, it's ultimately like I'm using them so that I can, get out i'm using them for my benefit like that's what's going on here and that's throughout the whole movie like we're not going to have a thing where predator like gives him a hug at the end or whatever that's and if that happens it's manipulative it's for a reason like that that doesn't fit in line with this uh uh species yeah yeah and so yeah by the end of it i believe the, the humans rise up with their spears and whatever they make as weapons. Real primitive stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, like, lead a like, little attack on the village, like, whatever ape village it is they're in, uh, enough to distract the apes so that uh, Predator can get on his ship and take off. Yeah. And 
as Predator is taking off, here's what I think happens. So, like, once Predator is, like, taking off and he's going, like, up in space, one thing that uh, happens as, like, the final climax of the movie is that main gorilla guy, right? He's there on the ship. He got on the ship before Predator took off. Yeah, yeah. And there's a final, like, knockdown, drag-out, bare-knuckle brawl between the two of them. Yeah. Oh, and I like the idea, like uh, like I mentioned before, how, like, this gorilla guy, as well as his, like, band that he, he, he not like rock band, but, like, band of soldiers, basically. He is that, that Predator type. Like, he and Predator are very similar to where, like, the reason he was on that ship is he was thinking like a Predator. He was thinking, like, steps ahead. He was like, yeah. he's coming for a ship. He's going to try to leave. So I'm going to meet him. I'm going to sneak on the ship, hide, and get him when he least expects it. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. And ambush him when he least expects yeah. it. And, like, as, um, as like, the, uh, the fight goes on, like, I think they're both, like, kind of in their armor. Like, the, uh, like, the, they developed a few, like, primitive suits of armor for the apes. Yeah. Um, because of the predator and so like this gorilla has like some armor on now a helmet included and as like as they fight for a bit like once once the fight reaches a point where like they're they're facing each other they're on opposite sides of like the bridge of the ship or wherever it is the fight's taking place yeah. um the uh gorilla is gonna like take his helmet off and like put it on the like drop it onto the floor mm-hmm. um and so the predator is like gonna do the same. He like takes his helmet off and like drops it onto the floor. And like in the last seconds of the movie, this gorilla is just gonna look at him and say, like, you are one ugly mother, and then the credits start rolling. It ends there. Yeah. What we're gonna have a, a second one? Or you can just kind of draw your conclusion. I don't know. I, I was feel like you can draw conclusions based on how that ends. Yeah, but you you got to think about the 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 audience that's there. Like, uh, we wanted to see him kill him. <laughs> well, then as the credits drag on, like a, a ve- like it cuts back into a uh, into the fight, and like so, like you get credits, you get that loud rock music that plays, and then like uh like the credits disappear, and you get a shot of the fight. Right? Well, not a shot, like you get a few shots of the fight. Like you see it play out for a bit and then credits again. And then you keep going back and forth between the credits of the fight until the fight's over. And then like, right when the fight ends, the title of the movie pops up on screen. Maybe, maybe I, I like, I like the line of like it going back and forth that, that, that redeemed it some for me. The reason I was thinking it was like, uh, cause when you said, cuts to credits i was thinking like the after credit scene i wouldn't want this particularly the after credit scene would be like uh it just shows like predator with his like uh his claw swords those like two things that come out of his uh yeah top of his hand basically his wolverine claws um uh like that's just like dripping with blood and there's like a dead gorilla i wouldn't like that because it's like wait so you just cut out the whole fight (laughs) well by that point it would be like the last half of the fight because they were already fighting a little bit up to that yeah yeah but you want to you want to see it like carried out because I, i would like to imagine like throughout this movie it's kind of shown that like 
not all apes are this way, but like this ape particularly, as well as his band of apes are just like ruthless. So you're yeah. like, I oh, can't wait for him to, to get killed by the predator kind of. Um, and so like, that's kind of the payoff here is when that fight happens. Obviously predator gets beat up. Uh, the ape gets beat up. It, it's, it's a very close battle. Um, <clears throat> But eventually, and it's very good choreography, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it shot well as well. It's not just like a thousand cuts, as <laughs> like like a thousand edits, and like a super up close stuff and no slow mo. Yeah. Like it's like it's like the four way cross section between the Matrix, Kingsman, Shang Chi, and Arcane. Yes. Yeah, for some reason they they got a insane budget on uh, the stunts for this fight because this is truly like the only major fight that happens in the movie. But yes, he does kill like apes early on, and there is the battle with the villagers and stuff like that. But that's not like yeah, that's a different type of choreography. Yeah. Like, Plus, the the thing about Predator has never been like fights. No, no, he's the a thing hunter. with Predator is about kills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like whenever he kills those couple of apes early on, whenever he's hunting the apes, yeah, he he does so like not really battling. It's more like, yeah, like like camouflage cloak gets them basically. Yeah. Um, with this, it's one of those like if the if your prey is standing there and is like challenging you. You're accepting that challenge. That's why, like you said, I like that, how they both take off the helmets and that they're just ready to go right then. I like that. Um, but, but like, uh, yeah, I was thinking the, the battle goes uh, uh, pretty crazy. Both get pretty hurt. Um, eventually, you have, like, some sort of epic way Predator kills him. You've seen him use the the cannon thing enough, and also it doesn't make sense for him to use it in the ship. That would damage the ship. Yeah, that would be a dumb move. Yeah, like like what he would likely do is use like his Wolverine claw stuff, um, as well as something else. And I would like to imagine that. Oh, okay. So it's the Planet of the Apes. So, like you said, I like what you said earlier. How like. Apes are everywhere. They're on every continent, basically. So, this makes sense here. Um, he left behind his nuclear bomb wrist thing. Now, it's not where Caesar and all them are. This is a different location. Yeah. Well, at this point, I believe Caesar would be long dead. Okay. Well, well, I mean, like those descendants and stuff like direct yeah, descendants yeah. and all that they're they're on a different part of the united states this is far away from that with another colony of apes all righty all right so the uh, the thought process you were on oh right so so i was thinking like also kind of showing like the side of the predator species how they don't really care about anyone like yeah. yes like quote unquote teamed up with the human to help and stuff. Um I was thinking possibly because I completely forgot about the nuke armband basically. Um and, and like it could have been one of those things where like he was like beaten up and treated like crap from like uh 
the the apes more more specifically this band of apes like the yeah the guy the the people that this guy was leading that he's yeah. fighting um and so not as like a revenge or petty thing but it's more like i'm gonna win this hunt kind of um he left behind the nuke wristband thing um and as as he like left it behind set it for the specific timer thing that it usually does that countdown thing he's flying yeah. off and that's when he's like fighting the the guy and all that stuff um and maybe maybe you didn't see it get left behind yet um but he's flying off he's fighting the guy oh. and like uh, i got to put my phone on vibrate people are texting me okay but he's fighting the guy and like at some point during the fight either when the guy gets the upper hand or when predator gets the upper hand um they're like looking out the the window of the ship like one of them looks out the window of the ship and just sees this giant explosion and like 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 maybe before it shows the explosion it like zooms in and shows where that wristband is showing like oh predator left his his wristband behind and it shows like the final countdown sequence thing and then yeah. it shows the ship's perspective and you see that giant nuke explosion of like dang like predator like killed all of them like like it's not like great it's like it's like dang predator's kind of ruthless but it's also like he did get his revenge but then you're also thinking like dang predator killed all those humans it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's what Predator would do. Yeah. And, and maybe that, like, whether it's the gorilla gets the upper hand or Predator gets the upper upper hand, if it's the gorilla gets the upper hand, he, like, looks at that scene and just, like, invokes him with more rage to, like, beat up Predator. Yeah. If it's Predator, it's like he's nearly about to beat this gorilla. The gorilla looks out the window, sees that. And then Predator doesn't say anything, but you kind of see with that context and the gorilla's face and stuff that like Predator is basically like, no, I won. I defeated y'all. And I'm, you're about to die right here because you're on your, your knees or whatever. I've got the upper hand or whatever it is. Yeah. And so then eventually you do get that like, whatever epic way of killing him with the Wolverine claws and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and predator then like takes something from that gorilla and like has it as a trophy. Maybe, maybe I know this sounds like very dark, but predators do do this in the movies. I'm just trying to keep in line with how predators are. It sounds very dark. Possibly he like beheads the gorilla and like mounts the gorilla like as like a mount. Yeah, like mounts the head on his wall. Yeah, because predators have like xenomorph heads and different stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this would make sense where he he saw this gorilla as like worthy of being mounted. Like like this species was was a worthy adversary. Like a worthy And, and he, he just kind of slumps down, uh, basically licking his wounds as his, his ship flies off. 
And then it ends. Yeah. Very gruesome. Or it could possibly be like, so he kills the gorilla, um, sits in his control chair or whatever, slumps down, and he's like, like not dead, but he's just like resting as the ship flies off. Cut to credits. After credits are then showing him like hanging the the beheaded gorilla head on his like ship wall and maybe you at that point you could have like easter egg stuff of like other heads that are on that yeah like as you're panning out you see like yoda's head and uh um dude what would be what would be epic is if like if it was like a head of another species that like predator encountered before but is a part of like another big property or whatever that would be interesting because like oh crap like predator met those species or whatever yeah forearms from ben 10 <laughs> you have a predator ben, ben 10 crossover there goodness gracious that'd be terrible oh yeah Cosmo from the Fairly Odd Parents. <laughs> trying to think what would be like a decently appropriate one. Like Alien and Predator always always made sense. Um, one he, you haven't seen in movies and stuff. That's hanging there. Yeah, it's hard to think of one. A Klingon head? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm trying to trying to think because the easy one is like do giant uh, uh, properties. Yeah. But then yeah. when you do that, it's like, oh crap, this opens up too much. Because like the easy one that comes to mind is like a Wookie head or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Or Yoda was the first one I said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Homer Simpson. <laughs> the Simpson world. Predator versus the Simpsons. Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Alien creatures in movies. No, not Alien the movie. I guess that that was yeah. kind of my fault. <laughs> that one's on me. Yeah. Um, David Duchovny's character from Evolution. I'm not even sure. I don't think I've seen it. you never seen Evolution? No, I don't think so. It's basically Ghostbusters, but with aliens instead of ghosts. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, I recommend that one. It's kind of doofy. I totally understand why it never got any sequels, but uh, I like it. Yeah, like I said, it's it's basically Ghostbusters for aliens instead of uh, ghosts. And like the whole premise behind the aliens is that like they're rapidly evolving. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they're they're going through all of the like stages of like billions of years worth of evolution in just a few days. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Oh, he has a he has a Navi head on his on his wall. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm okay with that because yeah. uh, that one's not super big as well as like 
Not as big as it used to be. No one's in love with Avatar. No. Like, everyone thinks it's like, meh, or like, eh, it's decent. Like, <laughs> or no <laughs> one cares enough to, like, cry about it. Yeah. Basically dances with wolves, but in space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember I saw Dances with Wolves, like, for the first time in my life, like, the week or, like, the month before I saw Avatar for the first time. And yes. so, as I was watching Avatar, literally the only thing I could think by the end of the movie was, that was just Dances with Wolves again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or if you want to go with the insane after credit when he's hanging it, it's just, like, all the stuff we've mentioned. It's all those heads. On the it's like, <laughs> what? There's been this many crossover. <laughs> Well, Homer Simpson. Where it's just uh it's just fan service after credit slash like basically what I haven't seen the new Space Jam, but I've heard about the scene where they're playing basketball where it's like all of the Warner Brothers properties are there. Yeah. Like, yeah, like watching they, they, the game. They ready player one Space Jam. Oh yeah. Yeah. To where like to, me. to where it's like from what I've seen, extremely distracting. To where, like, I would just want to pause, and I guess it's kind of the point, but that's not how you do a movie. We just want to pause and just play Where's Waldo in terms of, like, oh, there's that character, there's yeah. that character, there's that character, that character. Like, yeah, you're not I, focused I heard, on the final thing of the movie. I heard Rick and Morty made a cameo appearance. Yeah, there was the, the guys from A Clockwork Orange. Like, yeah, it, it was yeah. literally every Warner Brothers property. Yeah, it's... And I yeah I haven't seen the movie either, but I've heard it's completely horrible. Yeah, no, I, I haven't even seen the first Space Jam. Movie. Like it's Porky never... Porky Pig participates in a rap battle. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it sounds like the cringiest no. thing in the world. The first one never interested me, and from what I've heard, um, I've heard it ultimately is like a nostalgia thing. Yeah, like, yeah the people the original Space Jam, like they watched it, they loved it, and then like if they go back to it, if they still like it, it ultimately is a nostalgia thing. I heard like people who haven't seen it, if they watch it today, it's like, yeah, it's not really that good of a movie. Yeah, yeah. The the love for the original Space Jam is one hundred percent nostalgia. That movie does not hold up. Yeah. Yeah. Where something like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit actually does hold up. That's, That's still, still good, good to this day. Yeah. It's it's almost like basing an entire movie on pretty much just a Nike commercial is a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what it was, right? A Nike commercial? Like, for some reason... Like, I understand why Michael Jordan would do a Nike commercial, but for some reason, they included Bugs Bunny in that commercial, and then, like... People were like, whoa, Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. Let's get a whole movie of that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Nike. I'm not even sure. Yeah, it was ultimately, I do like the idea of like how wacky it is, but like from what I heard, it's just not that great. Yeah, it doesn't hold up. Yeah. Because I, I have seen that one somewhat like recently, like within the past couple of years. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not as good as I remember it from when I was a child. Yeah, yeah. Though, um, 
uh, a few questions about myself were answered when Lola Bunny first showed up on the screen the last time I watched it. I was like, oh, so that's where all of this comes from. <laughs> I, th- I think that happened with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Space Jam's to blame for uh, the love for the humanoid animals that we see in fiction nowadays. You're allowed to call them furries. Furries. There we go. Yeah. The yeah the anthropomorphized animals. Um, that's definitely yeah. a a big thing. Yeah. And like the worst part is like that has carried over like for, for for most of my life at this point right like i still don't think i can watch zootopia with other people in the room yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> that because like th- like the characters in zootopia are on on the scale of like human enough like they just nudge over that ledge of human enough yeah and it feels weird man yeah but yeah yeah so we want our predator wall to be distractingly packed with 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 mounted heads scrap from ice age we want a reason for you to go and buy if not rent if not watch a youtube video of that scene so you can pause it and then go like oh i get that oh i know that character oh i know that oh wow just straight up harrison ford not even as one of the characters he's famous for yeah yeah and you see uh uh daniel radcliffe's head but it's actually not daniel radcliffe because it has a scar so it's like oh harry potter Harry yeah. Potter's there too. For me, with, with this like this like wall of mounted heads, like I'm I'm trying to think as much along the lines of like what like technically Disney owned, but still like associated with 20th century sorts of characters. Can I think of? Mm, yeah, yeah. Because like Harrison Ford has been both Indiana Jones and uh, Han Solo. Both of which are owned yeah. by Disney now because they're Lucasfilm things. Yeah, yeah. It's like Scrat from Ice Age. That's owned by Disney now, technically. Yeah. Because Ice Age uh, was animated by Blue Sky and they were basically 20th Century's animation studio yeah. for a while there. The birds from Rio. There we go. <laughs> those those blue birds, those blue parrots from Rio. They can be on the wall. Uh, one of the robots from Robots. Yeah, yeah. The the fanny the fanny robot. You have her butt. You have her butt mounted on the wall. <laughs> um, Snoopy. Yeah, Snoopy. There we go. Uh, Horton. Horton hears it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was Blue Sky, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I looked up a list because I couldn't remember them all. Yeah, you see, for me, like I keep my brain keeps incorrectly associating Horton hears a who with Illumination because Illumination's been doing the Doctor Seuss movies for since the Lorax. And plus, that animation style does look 
fairly similar. Yeah, they are pretty similar. But yeah, for a while, I thought um, I didn't realize that the Peanuts movie was done by Blue Sky. I actually thought that DreamWorks did that for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when I heard that it was like actually pretty good, I was like, wait a minute, DreamWorks can't animate that then. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dream- DreamWorks' stuff is hit or miss for me. Like, I-, I can't just say it's bad, but like... Yeah, yeah, it has some good stuff. For me, if DreamWorks some. were to make a Peanuts movie, I feel like it would be a bad Peanuts movie. Yeah. yeah. But hearing hearing that that Blue Sky are the ones that did it, though, it's like, for me, that was like, okay, well, then that makes more sense, because Blue Sky might not be as big or popular as, as DreamWorks or, like, the main Disney studios. Um, I feel like they have a more consistent track record. Yeah, yeah. Because people like both Rio movies, don't they? I've always heard those are both good. I always heard the first one was good. I, I didn't really hear about the second oh. one. I've never heard bad things about the second one. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the big reason of why it's all of these specifically on the wall is uh, it's basically Disney saying, it's Disney giving a middle finger to, yeah. uh, <laughs> to the Spain, basically being like, no this studio these characters yeah. they're all dead yeah they're dead we own them we can do whatever we want with them. yeah and what we want to do is put them on predator's trophy wall yeah symbolizing that they're dead and you're not going to see them and we hate them not... yeah we hate them. <laughs> feel free to watch them all on disney plus but just know that we hate them yes and when we come out with our own uh uh, Marvel or not Marvel, our own Disney Corporation uh, Smash Bros game we're going to incorporate them as DLC characters so you got to pay for them Three ninety nine a character yes Yeah, yeah I'm shocked Disney hasn't done a Smash Bros. clone yet. Yeah, seriously. Have you seen... Uh, I'm not... We don't have to talk about this much. Have you seen the trailer or talk of this uh, multi-versus game? I have. Yes, I've seen quite a bit of it. Have you seen what Shaggy looks like? Yeah, the Ultra Instinct Shaggy? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I probably won't play it. It looks all right as a fighter. Ultimately, the thing that's drawing is, like, the characters they have. Yeah. Like, it is... Uh, I like the randomness of all the characters they have, but, like, the fighting itself, it doesn't look amazing to me. Yeah, for, for me, the weird thing about it that, like, makes it kind of weird is the emphasis on teamwork. Yeah. Over yeah. individualized but, fighting, which I think by itself is going to alienate a lot of fighting game fans because if there's one thing fighting game players don't like to do it's work with other people well i saw a trailer recently like the main emphasis is the yeah the multiplayer fighting like teamwork fighting but they did say like uh not to worry will we we will have solo stuff but yeah seems like the emphasis is the, the multi fighting 
Yeah, because looking at it, like looking at the mechanics of each character's like abilities, it seems very like co-op centric. Yeah, yeah. Like the ability for allies to travel through Bugs Bunny's tunnels, um, or yeah. like Steven Universe activating his force fields for his friends. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like all all that sort of stuff. It's like it's very it's very team centric in terms of the way each character plays, from what I've seen. So it does yeah. it it does seem a little weird to me. That so like it, it almost feels like there's an entire like system of like fighting styles that if you're doing like free for all or one on one stuff, uh would just kind of be lost in the mix because um there's yeah. no need to use teamwork based stuff if you don't have a team. Yeah. Yeah, you'll try to find the one character that doesn't have as much team-based stuff. Yeah. Which, if they're balancing it properly, all of the characters should have some team-based team stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it, I the the only thing I I really like about it is like oh like I like the roster they've got going. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really weird eclectic roster too. Oh, like yeah. I get it because they're all from completely different franchises that just happen to be owned by the same parent company. But like, yeah, it's a little weird. Finn and Jake fighting Rick Sanchez feels weird. Yeah, I think what will be like uh, at least for YouTubers that are trying to get clicks. A decent selling point is, oh, let's have Ultra Instinct Shaggy fight Superman. Like, yeah. That's going to sell you at least a few dozen copies, just so yeah. people can get those clicks on that YouTube video. Or uh, or Gandalf versus Rick. Is Gandalf in this? Gandalf's in it. I didn't even know that. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah Gandalf was announced as a part of the initial roster. Thing. Yeah, I, I heard they're like still continuing, like going to announce more and more characters. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's weird. It's 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 as weird to me as that like Nickelodeon uh, uh, Smash Bros clone was when that was first announced. Yeah, yeah. With like Nigel Thornberry <laughs> and the yeah. SpongeBob characters, <laughs> and just like yeah. like. For those types of games, the roster is always going to be inherently weird. Like, the the thing about Nintendo is, sure, all of the franchises under the Nintendo banner are wildly different, but they all have this like, this like sleekness and this like shiny sheen to all of them that like, even though they all look completely different, makes them all fit together. Yeah, yeah. Like Metroid is like. Design-wise, and also in terms of tone, a completely different franchise from Super Mario. But somehow they both work together on the same screen in a fighting game. Yeah. But, like, to me, it's, like, something as different as, like, Superman and Lord of the Rings and Rick and Morty. Like, it, it looks weird sharing a screen with, like, Scooby-Doo. And, and all yeah. those others. Or 
Um, I think even more extreme is the differences in all the Nickelodeon stuff because, like, all those look completely different. Oh, yeah, because I, I was just thinking there was, like, one game that I haven't played in a while, but I remember playing it and really liking it, and it somehow did it well, was, uh, I think it was called Nicktoons Unite. Oh, yes, was, I loved that was, game as a kid. It basically, yeah, it was basically a Nickelodeon character uh, Ultimate Marvel Alliance game. Marvel's yeah. Ultimate Alliance. It was basically that for Nickelodeon characters, and I remember really liking that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the four characters they had were SpongeBob, Jimmy Neutron, Timmy Turner, and Danny Phantom. Yeah. But weren't you able to do other characters or were it, it was just those four? It was just those four. Oh, okay. If you were playing single player or anything less than four players, you could kind of switch between them at will. As okay. as long as another player wasn't already occupying the character. Okay, but yeah, um, it was just those four, and like the four main villains were obviously like Plankton and Mr. Crocker and um, Professor Calamitous and Vlad. Vlad. Yeah, yes, that's that was a really good idea. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, because I think I think the main thrust of the of the game was that like Professor Calamitous, I think, was supposed to be like the big head bad guy, because. Uh, at the time, those were like the four most popular shows on Nickelodeon at the time. Um, so like the, the thing that brought them all together was like the Jimmy Neutron world because that's like the sci-fi world. So obviously there's parallel dimensions involved with that. But like in terms of the story, like it starts with SpongeBob and showing us like, you know, SpongeBob, you know, going about his day before things go get weird. Um, and then he's yeah. sucked into this alternate world with uh, the other Nicktoons. Um, and if I remember correctly, like the first actual world you go through in the game is the Danny Phantom one. I think you're right. I remember the the Ghost Warden was like one of the first bosses. Yeah, Walker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the first bosses. And then like, yeah, I think that each world had two bosses. I never finished the game. I had a hard time with like the SpongeBob world because that was the second yes. world. And like I had a hard time defeating Plankton in his giant crab mech. Yeah, yeah. I think I may be if I didn't, I just like because I never owned it. I always this was back when like video stores were around and you could rent video games and stuff. I would always just like rent it like every so often and and play a decent chunk. Yeah, yeah, I was I was never able to actually finish it. Now at this point, I think I'd have to track down a new, like, not a new copy, but like, I'd have to track down another copy entirely. Yeah. And uh, play it on uh, the PS2 that I have, which, uh, something that, you know, you never notice when all you have access to is like, you know, an old tube TV is uh, the insufferable, like, ringing noise that is emitted when you play the PlayStation (laughs) 2. Oh, my God, how did we ever tolerate that? Yeah, I have no idea. Just this constant, like, just, I can't even mimic the noise. Just, just, uh, but it's a never-ending droning sound. And, like, it's so low definition that, like, 
even playing it on like a you know your standard like HD TV that most people have nowadays, it looks crazy blurry and you can't read anything. Yeah. How did we ever deal with that? I have no idea because it was one of those things where it was just like it was the best thing at the time. We we knew nothing better. Yeah, um, that was kind of the thing with like people that like loved as well as still love like Nintendo sixty four is like they they thought it looked amazing because there was like nothing that looked better than that in terms of gaming. And then like as time went on, you're like, oh my gosh, most N sixty four games look like crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Nintendo games, <laughs> I unfortunately kind of lost track of the current Pokemon games that just came out. The Brilliant yeah. Diamond and Shining Pearl. So I'm gonna, like, I didn't yeah. pre-order them or anything. So I'm just going to have to at some point, like, either order them from Amazon or like go to a store or something and pick up a, a copy of mm-hmm. uh, Brilliant Diamond. Yeah. Because uh, something that I have kind of maintained as a bit of a pattern for Pokemon is if I can only like afford to get one for that generation, I go with the blue version. Oh, I like, guess. like whichever version is like equivalent to the blue version for that generation. I'll get that one. So like just, the, just with this, this current generation, I went with sword because that was the blue colored one instead of shield. Um, and oh, like okay. be- the generation before that it was moon. Um, so this time, uh, I'm going with Brilliant Diamond. I just thought about it. It's so weird. Like, I don't think it's like uh, one was produced more than the other. What's weird is thinking about um, Pokemon games, because most of them hold value in terms of collector stance and all that. They don't really yeah. have that much in value. Uh, but what's weird is the red, whatever equivalent of red it is, that version is usually worth more, like a little more than the other version. Like, yeah, uh, that is kind of weird. It's weird because I don't think it's like one was produced more than the other. I think it was probably produced equal. Yeah. But like, yeah, like because Fire Red is always like at least $10 more than Leaf Green. Same with like uh, Ruby and Sapphire. Um, I'm pretty sure the same with like the original DS, Pearl, and uh What's the other one? Diamond. Diamond. Thank you. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because I would get it if one was produced more than the other, but that's not the case. Like, what does make sense is uh, if you look at um, Ruby and Sapphire Emerald. The Emerald version also came out during that time. It makes sense for Emerald to be uh, worth more because it wasn't yeah. produced as much as those two. Yeah, it was like a, uh, like the finished version. Like One thing that I have found very weird about recent Pokemon generations is that uh, they haven't been doing uh, third versions. Yeah, yeah, you don't see that anymore. Like, the last time they did a third version was the fourth generation, technically. Because um, after Black and White, it was Black and White 2. And then mm-hmm. X and Y uh, skipped over um, uh, any sequels or third versions entirely. And they went straight to Sun and Moon, which then got Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. 
And then we went to Sword and Shield, which, as far as I'm aware, are also skipping the third version. And and now for this generation's remakes, there's um, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Yeah. And remakes never get their third versions remade. So, yeah. That's why we never got a, a Ocean Blue or whatever it would have been called for the third gen remakes of the first gen games. Yeah. Sea Blue. Water Blue. P Blue. Yeah, because you don't like. You got like uh, Omega Sapphire or Alpha Ruby or whatever, but you never got like. It was Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby. That's it, yeah. You never got a Gamma Emerald or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, um, or, uh, let's see, it was Soul Silver and Heart Gold. So, like, no, like, Lung Crystal. Yeah, yeah. Brain Crystal. Eye crystal. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is fun. Uh, <laughs> so we're probably not going to be getting like a, a dingy platinum or whatever, or polished platinum. That would be better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Polished platinum. We're probably not getting that. So. No. Dang, Game Freak, hire us. We're good at naming Pokemon games. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be your your. Your color namers. Yeah. The next generation is going to be... Uh, you see, they're not even all colors anymore. So uh, the next generation, it's going to be uh, uh, tin and brass versions. Oh, yeah, yeah. With titanium version being the third one. We'll do yeah, metal again. That actually sounds really cool. Yeah. Tin and brass with the titanium as the third version, and then like in twelve years when you do their remakes, um, uh, they would be uh tempered brass and um polished tin and uh. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No third yeah. version of remakes. Yeah, titanium doesn't go. Yeah, yeah. No third version for remakes. Yeah. What would the legendary Pokemon for that be? Oh yeah. Uh so some sort of metalish. I, I, I like whenever it actually makes a little bit of sense. Um I don't know, like some sort of yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh! You know what? Do do an Oz themed. Um, uh, oh, dang it! Though, because I was gonna say do an Oz themed one and call call the first two like heart and brain uh, versions, and the third one would be courage version. But heart gold is already a thing, so reusing the word heart would. Eh. Yeah. Because I was thinking about tin, I was like, oh, maybe tin and straw version, like. And what would you call the last one? Blood? You can't do that. Uh, so that, that would be uh, that would be courage version. I was like, well, courage is what he wanted, not what he was made of. So it's like, what are the what would the other two be then? And so it would be, you know, heart and brain. Yeah. And then your legendary Pokemon would be a scarecrow, a robot, and a lion. 
Yeah, there you go. All three things we've technically gotten before, not all as legendaries, but we've yeah. gotten them all before, sometimes a couple times over. But you know what? This time yeah. it's different. Yeah, this time uh, it's like a half scarecrow, half centaur. He's like really big. <laughs> and he wants a brain. Yeah. So you know what? We'll make him grass and psychic type. Yeah, there you go. And then our uh, uh, our Tin Man, he's you know a robot with with axes on his forearms, and he'll be yeah, yeah. he'll be steel and fighting type. Yeah, there you go. He trains by chopping down trees every day. And then the 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 cowardly lion, he'll be a uh, he'll be a uh, a. Uh, uh, hmm. A normal and dark type. How about that? I don't know. Yeah. But then they'll all have like alternate forms after they get the thing they want. So it's like your your scarecrow has like a brain form, which is oh, that's the psychic type form. He's he's we'll say he's grass and we'll just say he's pure grass at first, but then like he gets his heart form, so that or not heart, his brain form. So that's the grass and psychic type. And then like the, uh, the tin man. He's just pure steel type, but in his heart form, that's when he's steel and fighting. And then the, uh, um, the, uh, uh, what the heck is it? A lion. The lion is his, his normal form would be, it would be a dark type, but then he gets the courage form, which is the dark and normal type. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why in my head the normal would be equated to courage instead of fighting, but whatever. This is my Pokemon. <laughs> These are my original Pokemon. Do not steal. Yeah, I was just thinking it'd be uh, one of the first legendary Pokemon. I haven't. They've, maybe they've done this. I don't know. I, I'm a lot of generations behind. But that one's the first legendary Pokemon where you can. Uh, it's basically an EV version of a legendary Pokemon. You can uh, give it a stone and it can adapt to whatever stone you give it. Oh, yeah, no, legendary Pokemon have been, like, given alternate forms uh, for several generations now. Okay. Like, it's not always in, in a form that, like, resembles evolution, though sometimes it is. Though they don't always call it evolution when it happens, because there are some legendary Pokemon who permanently change form in a way that really should just be identified as evolution, but isn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, like, for example, um, Kyurem, uh, who in the fifth generation was the gray dragon, um, you know, between black and white and, uh, in black two and white two, depending on which version you got, Kyurem had two alternate forms, a black form and a white form, depending on whether or not it merged with Zekrom or Reshiram. Mm. And, uh. Uh, Kyogre and Groudon for Alpha, Sapphire, and Omega Ruby were given like Alpha and Omega forms. Oh, okay. Um, and I believe Rayquaza was given the power to Mega Evolve. Hmm. Which I think makes it like the only legend or one of like two legendary Pokemon that can do that. No, no, no not two. Okay, there are a few legendary Pokemon that can Mega Evolve because I just remember that Latios, Latios, and Mewtwo can all do that. But uh, yeah, in fact, Mewtwo's got two Mega Evolved forms. There's a lot to this. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just played up to uh, Generation Three. I know of Generation Four. 
Yeah. I never uh, really played much of those games. You see, Generation 3 is the one where I really started getting into Pokemon. Um, because that was like the newest one when I was young and really starting to play it. Um, yeah, yeah. Generation 4 is generally where everyone agrees Pokemon like peaked. Like everyone kind of agrees mm-hmm. that like Generation 4 is where Pokemon really hit it and hit it hard. Um, and yeah. hasn't quite reached that same level since. Um, for me personally, I I feel like no Pokemon games are any better or worse than any others. Like they they all kind of just have like that same consistent level of quality in my eyes. But then again, I'm you know a huge Pokemon fan. I'm not gonna say Pokemon's the best video game series in the world. But it's extremely important to me personally, so it's I have a hard time really discerning any differences in quality between them. Yeah. But yeah, so sometime within the next couple months, I gotta try and hit up a store and get Brilliant Diamond. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Brandon. If you don't give me plugs and recommendations right now, then I'm going to start making wagers with people about like your own personal life decisions. And if you start making decisions that don't go the way that ends in me winning the wager, I'm going to cheat. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll I'll cheat to make it go in my favor. Oh, okay. I gotcha. To to make sure you make the decisions that end in me winning the wager. Oh man. I I assumed the the plot twist is you've already started doing this. Um you already uh, have been cheating. Uh um wipe sweat from forehead. <laughs> You're the one that turned me into a weeb by cheating. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. My wager depends on you eventually buying a body pillow. <laughs> I'm not right. telling you which character, though. Oh, no. <laughs> Is it, uh, uh, I forgot her name. Dang it. <laughs> I was going to say the girl from Death Note. Oh, Misa? Misa, thank you. I was going to say Musha. I can't remember. <laughs> No, not Misa, because... No, just not Misa. <laughs> Even though I'm I'm okay with the goth chick thing, Misa's very annoying. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there are a <laughs> billion better, like, cartoon goth chicks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a, an ember uh, body pillow from Danny Phantom. <laughs> yes, there we go. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say something like Gwen from Total Drama, but Oh uh, yeah. Ember from Danny Phantom is a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh let's see. Um plugs, Disney Comics, that's D I S M A Y Comics on Facebook and Instagram. You can blah 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 blah. You know the drill. Look Do they though? They might be a first-time listener. That's true. Uh, I make comics, or or try to make comics. Um, you can 
check that stuff out. Look at updates. Uh, Gallows Man issue two will likely pop up on Kickstarter in January. I'll announce more probably in December about that. Finally, uh, I've got around to getting the cover art started and all that. Um, that that is going good. Um, in terms of recommendations. I finally don't really have a manga recommendation because I've been reading Berserk and it's not a short manga, so it takes yeah. time. So yeah. I, I guess I could briefly say like a, a reinstatement of a recommendation, Berserk, if you, if you weren't able to finish the 40 volumes that are out in one week, you now have another week to do it because um, that's how it works. You only have the week. Yeah, it expires. Um, I've got three movie recommendations. First one, it's like the movie as well as just general. We've talked about this before. First one is Castle in the Sky, the Studio Ghibli movie. Mm. Um, I saw it in theaters. I'm so glad, like, uh, they do the Fathom events or whatever. Yeah, because uh, like. I now want to watch, even if I've seen them, as many Studio Ghibli movies in the theaters because it's like such a great experience. Like I haven't seen this one before, so it was new to me. But like uh, in the theater, just like obviously big screen, but like the sound because I don't have like a super expensive uh, uh, speakers or anything in my room that immerse me in it. But the sound is so great. Whenever there's like silent moments, like just hearing like a character like like slowly walking down like a tunnel or whatever, just hearing that little doop, 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 like those in the, in the theater just sounds so great. Like it's silent in the theater. There's no one like munching on popcorn or anything because there's yeah. only like seven or eight of us. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, these aren't like packed theaters for this stuff because it's usually only like three or four days they do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Castle in the Sky is really good. It was one of the first Studio Ghibli movies. It was like, uh, I think it was like the first like when the studio formed. Like not. Yeah, I, I believe I believe that Castle in the Sky. Um, actually, I think Castle in the Sky technically led to Studio Ghibli's formation, and then was retroactively folded into their catalog. Yeah, I might be wrong not about that, though. Yeah, Nasca in the Valley of the Wind. That was like uh, Miyazaki's first movie. Yeah, right. But it wasn't like uh, the well, first actually, I, th I think uh, I think that was Miyazaki's first movie with Ghibli. I know that like his first movie was Lupin the Third's uh, Castle of Cagliostro. Oh, okay, hold on. Did did uh, Nasca come out? I thought it came out after, or, or not after, before Castle in the Sky. No, I believe Nausicaa came out after Castle. Oh, it was two years before Castle. It was? Yeah, it came out in 1984. Castle came out in 1986. Really? Okay. Mm, all right. See, I've been doing so much research on all these different animated movies and their release dates recently for personal reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought I had it memorized, but I guess I was wrong. Wow. Dang, I didn't realize it was that old. But yeah, like, uh, this one was really good. Like, it's like, 
I, I like seeing the differences, like continuing through the Studio Ghibli movies, because like the first five or so movies I saw, all Studio Ghibli movies I've seen so far, I've only seen seven, but all of them have been good, if not great, if not amazing. Like none of them are meh or anything. Yeah. All of them have been good. Um, but like a common theme I was seeing with like the first five or so that I saw was like, it's more of like a, uh, there's plot, but it's no, it's no anxiety or anything. There's nothing that's going to bring you anxiety or like true sadness or anything. It ultimately is like a good viewing experience. It's like watching the Goonies basically. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, then I watched Grave of the Fireflies and that like, upended that it was like oh no 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 like <laughs> we're, we're gonna go sad we're gonna go really good but we're gonna go sad yeah. um and castle in the sky kind of changed that for me as well where it was like uh not entirely the slice of life thing it felt more like an action adventure and mm-hmm. like of the seven i've seen so far this is like the first action adventure uh studio ghibli movie i've seen um yeah you know i I got that feeling watching Nausicaa. Um, yeah, yeah. Because that was like the first Ghibli movie I'd seen where it was like, it felt like it had like a real driving force to its plot. Uh, oh, my dog. Alrighty. We're good to go. But yeah. But no, yeah. like Oh, sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> well, well, I was about to say, like, uh, I figured that'd possibly be the same with Nausicaa from what yeah. I've, the little bit I've seen of that. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, um, I don't remember if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, in my recommendations when I recommended Nausicaa, and like uh like that movie has like the single most active main character I've ever seen in any movie. Yeah, yeah. So like that but like that alone leads to like a lot of things happening. Yeah. Like and it's also weird because all the studio Ghibli movies I've seen so far, other than Spirited Away. Are normally like hour and thirty minutes. They're usually hour and a half, um, aside from Spirited Away. But Castle in the Sky is like a little over two hours long. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like like boring or slow or anything, but it is like one of those where like it needed that amount of time because it is like this big kind of epic going on. It is that action adventure. It's it's this this journey, this inciting incident happens at the beginning and it just like just keeps going forward from there and something 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 i've noticed about ghibli's run times is for the most part um you can expect like something around like an hour and a half but if if miyazaki directed it expect it to go over two hours yeah yeah but like uh something i really liked about this movie is like the pacing throughout was good. Like it had like starting out, starting out is literally an action sequence where like uh, these air pirates, I was going to say pirates, but I should clarify it's in the sky. Um, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Castle in the sky (laughs) takes place in the sky. Well, not a lot of it. Um, it does later on like in the beginning it's like this blimp um and these these pirates uh board the blimp they're trying to get this thing that this little girl has 
the little girl escapes because then you're like uh at the beginning you don't know this but like the people in the blimp are like kind of bad people that are trying to use the little girl that's not a spoiler it's revealed like very early on in the movie but that first like five to ten minutes in the movie you're like oh i thought that was like her dad or something like <laughs> she's just running away from him but it, you realize why afterwards i was but gonna I'm say like, ponyo literally starts with the main character running away from her dad so that's not yeah yeah totally out of out of the realm of possibility yeah but like uh no that like shortly after she uh she falls off or something she falls off and she's like falling through the sky but she has this necklace it's what everyone's after she has this necklace and it uh allows her to like levitate or not levitate like float float down slowly um and that's where you get that iconic poster scene eventually that boy who's like working in a mine he sees this girl falling and like he goes to catch her yeah yeah because she's floating down. That's in all the posters. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. What you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but it's essentially, it's essentially like uh, from there, the story of like them hearing about this legend of this castle slash like kingdom in the sky, basically. I mean, it all seems like urban legend and stuff. But this little boy, his dad was like dedicated to try to get there. Cause he had seen it in the sky. His dad was a pilot. He like took uh, photographs and stuff. Um, not very clear photographs of it, but he wants to get there one day. He's like building his own airplane, trying to save up for that and all that. But it's eventually it's this adventure of the two trying to figure out about this urban legend kingdom called Lupita. Um, and what I like is like, you don't see that place. They don't get to that place till like an hour and 20, maybe an hour and 30 minutes into the movie. Mm. I like how like it has been this journey to eventually get there. Like, cause when I first heard the movie, I thought it was going to be, Oh, we're going to be in the castle or like this kingdom within the first 30 minutes. But I'm glad it was this build up Cause I, as it was going, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's building up for me, like what this castle is going to look like and, and how important and stuff it is. So I was like, oh, that's really good build up. I, I really liked it. Um, I think that's to say with all Studio Ghibli movies, really. Um, what was interesting, because this was one of the early ones, you can clearly see like elements in later Studio Ghibli movies that are like, clearly taken from this movie yeah like uh there's a a mechanic guy in one of the pirate ships who if you've seen spirited away or seen an image the spider guy in the boiler room in spirited away Mm. it's literally that guy's face it's that guy's face with that mustache and stuff yeah Um, as well as the main character in this i forgot her name but the girl in Castle in the Sky literally looks like Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service. At one point, like she's wearing like the outfit that Kiki would usually wear. And then it even goes in one point where uh, her pigtails get shot off. 
And so it's the short hair that Kiki has in Kiki's delivery service where it's like, oh, this literally just looks like Kiki. Yeah. I it's kind that- of it's kind of funny that you mentioned Kiki's delivery service um, while talking about this movie. Because the last time I was at Walmart, I was looking through the movies. And the only two Ghibli movies that they had on the shelf that I haven't already, or ha- at that point, hadn't already acquired were Castle in the Sky and Kiki's Delivery Service. And um, so I had to choose between one of the two because I could only get one at the time. Which did um, you pick? I went with Kiki. Yes, okay. Yeah, both are really good. But I still think I like Kiki more. Yeah, Kiki's like in the top three for me so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Castle in the Sky, really good. Ultimately, my recommendation is like, if a Studio Ghibli movie pops up in a theater, just go watch it whatever it is um abandon whatever plans you had for that day exactly go watch a ghibli movie in the theater yeah exactly and i got two more recommendations i'll try to run through them really quick uh, before before you get into those one thing i will yeah. say if the secret world of arietti is ever in theaters again that is one ghibli movie i would like to see in the theater because one, firstly one thing ghibli always nails is sound design um, oh yeah and like the sound design for that movie because all the main characters are teeny tiny makes everything yeah. sound and feel enormous oh my gosh yeah in the theaters that'd be perfect then because that like i had mentioned that was one of the the highlights of seeing castle in the sky was just how the sound was in the theater yeah yeah, so if there is one Ghibli movie I would like to experience in the theaters, if it ever can, like, it's one of the more recent ones, so it'll probably be a while before it gets like one of those anniversary releases. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and by more recent, I mean like ten years or so ago. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, for me, uh, as far as one that I would like to see in the theater, I I would like to see Arietti in the theater. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're in like. As of recording, in like two weeks, they're uh, doing uh, My Neighbor Totoro, and I'm definitely going to go see that. That's a good one. That's one of the best ones, I think. Like, I thought that I wasn't going to like it that much. I, I thought I was going to think it was like an overrated, overhyped snooze fest. But oh, watching, yeah, it, watching it, I was completely proven wrong. Like, I love that movie. Yeah, same. That was exactly how it was for me. I, I thought it'd be okay, but it was way better than i thought yeah totoro was genuinely enthralling to watch oh yeah let's see so my last two recommendations uh both are live action movies sorry everyone oh gross people (laughs) and their gross faces oh and yeah one of them is like uh it, it does have someone that looks very gross Oh, um, uh, I'll go ahead and talk about that one. It's called Pig. It has Nicolas Cage in it. Um, and he's and, the one with the gross face, right? Yes, not that Nicolas Cage is a gross person, but more like the character. He's he's this uh, this hermit that's lived in the woods for like over a decade, okay. and he's he's not a very clean person. He's got a very very greasy nasty hair he's got a very like scraggly nasty looking beard and stuff um and like some stuff happens in the movie where like uh he gets a little bloody and he never wipes it off 
he never like thinks about wiping it off so it's just like dried blood in his beard and stuff yeah um making saying that it makes it sound like it's like a horror or like a, a fighting movie but there's not really any of that in this movie um the premise of pig uh you'll probably laugh when hearing it but it's a serious movie don't laugh the the premise of pig is essentially this guy who lives in the woods his truffle pig gets stolen and he goes and tries to get his pig back, to track it down and get his pig back. That's the premise of the movie. All right, when you told me not to laugh, I expected it to be doofier sounding than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I tried making it like as <laughs> le- the least amount of doofy as I could. Okay. I could probably make it more doofy sounding, but that's essentially the general premise. Uh, this guy, mysterious guy, you don't know much about him, like the first third of the movie, lives in the woods. He has a truffle pig. It's a cute pig. Very cute pig. Yeah. Um, and he, he, like, finds truffles with the pig. And he sells them to this guy uh, that's played by the uh, the guy in Hereditary. Um, he was also in the Naked Brothers band, that Nickelodeon show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Alex Wolf, I think is his name. Uh, this guy he like buys these truffles from Nicolas Cage and then he'll sell them to like big restaurants in Portland Oregon most of this movie takes place in Portland Oregon um, and like the restaurant scene in Portland Oregon Um, he buys these truffles from him and uh, yeah Nicolas Cage he's just this mysterious character that lives in the woods this recluse doesn't talk to anyone, hasn't talked to anyone in a while other than uh, Naked Brothers Band Kid. Um, and one night, his cabin gets broken into, and like these two meth heads steal his truffle pig. And like from the rest of the movie, it's him getting Naked Brothers Band Kid to help him get his pig back. But what's crazy is like when you hear that, you're like, oh, recluse living in the woods. He recruits this guy to get his pig back. This is going to be like a taken action movie, kind of. It's not it at all. This is not an action movie. This plays out like almost like the opposite of that, where like that's what you think it's going to be. An inaction movie. Yeah. They do nothing. They eat potato chips on the couch and they watch cartoons all day. (laughs) Well, ultimately it feels like a more realistic take on that, where like he is going to go try and get his pig back, but he's not going to like try to beat up anyone or anything like that. He's like talking with people. He never like really threatens anyone from what I remember, but he is just like trying to get his pig back. He's driven to get his pig back. Um, He gets punched once or twice in the movie. That's a scene uh, early on. Um, But yeah, he's never throwing hands. He's never like, like, threatening anyone he's just trying to get this pig back and also it's like a really you find out more about his character as the movie goes on i don't want to spoil that because i i really liked uh somerville about who he was and his past and stuff it, it i hate saying this but it subverts the ex- expectation um, i know that 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 phrase has started to carry a bit of a stigma with it but i understand what you really mean by it yeah yeah it it, it 
I really like this movie because it's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be this kind of doofy taken type movie, but it wasn't. It was actually like a very good drama about like uh, like loss and grief, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I really liked Pig. Um, one of my favorite movies this year. Not the favorite, but one of them. Um, and then the last one, it's a sci-fi movie. You can watch it on Netflix. This came out two years ago. I never heard of it. Um, and I kind of hate I didn't. I kind of am glad I didn't because it showed it wasn't a big movie, which means I may have found like a little gem. Um, it's called I Am Mother. I Am Mother. I Brandon. may have heard of this one. I think I've just seen it in passing on Netflix probably. Yeah, just yeah. Like stuff. Like uh, essentially it, it, it's about this girl who you're not really told much at the beginning. You're told like uh, this number of days since the extinction event. So you're like, okay, most of humanity must be dead or whatever. And then uh, you're on this, I what you think is a ship at the time. And it says like uh, carrying 63,000 embryos. You're like, okay. So they're like trying to keep the human population. They have embryos stored similar to like interstellar um and uh her embryo gets pulled out of this thing by this robot who's called mother she acts as her mother basically and the robot mother like pulls her out and like grows her in this like incubation thing in like 24 hours because it's sci-fi they have the means to do that basically yeah um into a baby grows her into a baby and then raises her for years after that. Um, like this robot mother raises her. And then like 10 or 15 minutes into the movie, it then shows like uh, this number of days since the extinction event. Where it's, it's basically, it seems like a, a while. Because this little girl is now like somewhere between like 18 and 20. Um, and then it goes from there, like her life on the ship by herself, except she's not entirely by herself. She has her robot mother there as well. Um, but things kind of get uh, upended a little bit when a stranger kind of arrives at their door. And it just kind of goes from there. Okay. I, I don't want to go into too much detail after that. Yeah. But I do want to mention, like, this looked really good. But, like, obviously, the, the plot is really good. I recommend the plot. But in terms of, like, making the robot look good, as well as all these sci-fi elements, looked really good. And it, I, what I like, I'm a sucker for, like, little details within sci-fi stories. What I mean by that is, like, stuff I haven't seen in sci-fi stuff before. Like, one example of this is the robot mother. Whenever she gets this little girl, whenever she's a baby, she gets her out of this incubation chamber. The mother has like, uh, is basically designed where she has like this heat thing on her chest as well as her arm and it glows. And so she's like holding the baby and she's like giving warmth to the baby through that. Yeah. Oh, that's like an interesting, like, I don't know. It was tiny touches like that. I'm a sucker for And yeah. like, uh, it had a lot of those things, as well as just a really good movie in general. Um, 
but I Am Mother, a hidden gem of sci-fi movies. I, I definitely recommend it. Alrighty. All right, then. Um, as for me, for plugs, uh, you're already listening to it, Storebrand Comics. Congratulations, you found us. Thank you very much for uh, listening to the podcast today. Um, it uh, means a lot that anyone would sit and listen. Well, uh, you might not just be sitting in place and listening. That would be kind of weird. But yeah, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it means a lot that anyone would listen to uh, this little hobby podcast that we do every week. Um, so thank you very much for listening. It does you know, mean a yes. lot. Um, we try to have episodes up every week on the weekends. Uh, no specific day on the weekends anymore. Because, uh, you know, life just gets kind of busy. Um, so expect episodes, you know, between, you know, Fridays and Sundays. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, and if you're, you know, interested in, uh, you know, hearing more, you know, like if you like what you heard and you want to hear more episodes, we have a pretty decent backlog at this point of episodes you can listen to. As well as, um, you know, I guess hit whatever follow or subscribe or whatever button on whichever app you're listening on to help keep track of us i guess but um now with all that out of the way i only have one recommendation today and i actually don't have a whole lot to say about it so it's going to be a little short um to just this morning actually for the first time i watched the book of life um which is an animated movie from like 2014 i want to say um, and so, which means it predates Coco by three years and why I bring Coco up specifically is going to be important once you hear the premise. Um, it's a lot of it revolves around the Mexican day of the dead. So, um, remember this movie. yeah, what's up? I know I, I was looking at it on Google. I, re- I remember this movie now that you're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, the whole idea is that, like, it's a story that a museum tour guide is telling to a bunch of children using, like, wooden figures. So, like, for, like, that, this the movie's actual, like, main story, all the characters are, like, designed to look like wooden figures, but it's all computer animated. Um, And uh, what it is, is, uh, I'm let's see if I can remember their names. La Muerta. Um, which I think is just Spanish for death. Um, ah. She rules over the land of the remembered, which is like where all of the dead people who are still remembered by their family and loved ones uh, reside. Um, and then her, I want to say husband, probably, Sibalba, um, he rules over the land of the forgotten, where everyone who's been forgotten goes um, after they've died. Um and then between them is like the candle maker and he maintains balance and all that. Anyway, um, so La Muerta and Sibalba uh, seem to quite regularly make wagers with each other um, just for fun to keep themselves entertained. So yeah. one day on the Day of the Dead when the two of them are dwelling on Earth for a little while alongside all the spirits who get to return on that night, um, they decide to make a wager if Sibalba wins, he gets to rule over the land of the remembered while La Muerta is stuck in the land of the forgotten. Um, and if La Muerta wins, then Sibalba uh, has to promise to never interfere with humans again, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their wager. And their wager is they see these three children, two boys and one girl, and both boys are very clearly in love with the girl. 
So their wager involves uh, they both pick a boy and whichever boy grows up and marries the girl decides basically the winner. So like if Sibalba's boy marries the girl, he wins the wager. And if La Muerta's boy marries the girl, she wins the wager. Oh, okay. Um, and that's the setup for the movie. Um, and it's it's a pretty decent, you know, family movie. Um, it's uh, got, you know, an interesting uh, story, I will say, if a bit predictable. But, you know, not everything has to be totally unpredictable, in my opinion. Um, right. it's, it's all down to execution. And I feel yeah. like this one was pretty well executed. Um, it's got a little bit of a little bit of jukebox musical in there, and by that I mean like you know what a jukebox musical is, right? Uh, describe it. A jukebox musical is a musical where um, the songs that they sing weren't uh, written or composed specifically for the movie. It's usually like popular music. Oh, okay, yeah, I got. So like, yeah, like think something along the lines of like the Trolls movies that yeah, DreamWorks right. makes. It was the first thing that came to mind. Or uh, uh, Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Um, so this one's got a little bit of that in there, but like it it puts like that Mexican flair, like that Mexican mariachi flair on those songs um, yeah. that make them sound interesting. Um, and like the, the there are like certain character arcs that I feel are resolved in very... Uh, interesting ways one of which through the music that um i you know that actually like kind of genuinely made me feel something because the thing is like one of the main characters he's he comes from like a family of bullfighters but he wants to be a musician but his family's like you can't be a musician you're a bullfighter uh, and you can see why i compared this movie to coco now also on, on yeah, like, yeah for a few different reasons more than just the whole mexican day of the dead thing but yeah. uh that there, there are a lot of parallels here, but it predates Coco by about three years. Um, and uh, so yeah, the the thing is, like, there is an arc for him that is concluded that involves both a bullfight and music simultaneously. But uh, but yeah, so I liked it. It's it's um. The performances were all really good. Uh, weirdly enough, I did not know he was in this movie, but this is now like the second movie in like two or three weeks that I've watched with Channing Tatum in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I didn't even realize he was going to be in this one. I recently re- we rewatched uh, 21 Jump Street. That was a lot better than I remember it. Those movies were both way better than I ever expected them to be. Yeah. I I should go back and rewatch them at some point. They're funny. Yeah, we watched it a couple of days ago. It was very hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Jump Street movies caught me by surprise when I saw them for the first time. Yeah. But yeah, I I had only mentioned that because Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I was surprised. Like, I heard his voice and I was thinking, like, wait a minute, is that is that Channing Tatum? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, because like listening to his voice and like just his delivery, um, I think Channing Tatum's a like a pretty funny like voice actor. Oh yeah. Like yeah. whenever he does cartoon voices, I think he does a good job. He's one of those uh, um, celebrity voice actors that I don't have an issue with. 
yeah doing a ton of voice acting because like a lot of times like when they cast celebrities in voice roles for movies it's like uh you know they're just doing that for the marketability of the name and not really yeah. because they were the best person for the role but yeah. like in Channing tatum's case he's one of those actors where it's like i think he fits cartoons quite well yeah yeah does a pretty good job um because like there's there's one moment in the movie where he's like you like this is a job for a hero with an awesome mustache because like his character has like a mustache and like that's his yeah. old, one of his one of his things he's like very obsessed with his mustache uh, <laughs> it's like just hearing the channing tatum delivery on that it's like yeah i can tell that's him and also that was a funny line yeah and also he did he does a good job selling the like vain jock character. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Um it was only in a for this one, it was only in a bit part, but Gabriel Iglesias' voice is in this movie as well. Oh really? And like I and Cheech Marin also. Like the two of them play two of three like Mariachi brothers. Yeah. Um I will say the character design in this movie for me is really weird. The animation, you mean? Well, not no, no. The animation looks fine. the The character designs, though, in particular, are like odd because so many of them are designed to look to me what seems like intentionally ugly. Oh, okay. Like there are so many character designs in this movie where it's like that character looks like they were made ugly on purpose. And it's just odd to me to see character design like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, like, Cheech Marin and Gabriel Iglesias are two of the actors who voiced characters that looked like they were designed to intentionally be, like, difficult to look at. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it's... it's yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain that part. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, the movie overall seems to be, you know, your usual, like, Mexican Day of the Dead, like, sort of thing, where it's, like, uh, it's it's always astounding to me, whenever I see it represented in media, how Mexico seems to have somehow made death, like, the most beautiful part of its culture. Yeah. That is interesting. So... That's that's always something that I think is cool. It's it's the part of Mexican culture with which I'm most familiar because it's the most present in American media. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I would like to see more movies made by people with that cultural background do stuff like this, just to yeah. get that more authentic flair. That would be a good idea. You know, movies like Coco and the Book of Life. But yeah. So the book of life, that's my recommendation for the week. I didn't realize it till like midway through you were describing it. I did see this movie. I just like completely forgot about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember more of like where I was when I saw it. Cause I was actually in Mexico when I saw this, I was, uh, oh, I see. Okay. I was at an orphanage. Um, it was mission work. Yeah. Um, but uh, you weren't shopping. <laughs> I'll get this one and this. One. Uh, that one looks delicious. <laughs> but uh, I, I was at an orphanage and we uh, we were watching Book of Life, and I remember like uh, 
this was like one of the few first movies I saw where it was like we had to read subtitles because it was mostly the it was mostly Mexican kids watching yep. this. So so us few Americans, if we wanted to watch it, we had to read the subtitles. And uh, I remember that being interesting. I, I barely remember anything about the movie. I remember that, and I remember us giving out popcorn to the kids. And surprisingly, I don't know if it's just this region of Mexico, they like hot sauce with their popcorn. Like they'll get some hot sauce and like pour it uh, into their popcorn bag. And that, that was interesting. interesting. Like I've heard of spicy dangerous. popcorn before, but never heard of like hot sauce on popcorn. No, they, they would get the hot sauce and just pour it in their popcorn bag. It's huh. good. I just never uh, never heard of that before then. Yeah, that doesn't quite sound like my cup of tea, but that's because I just don't like spicy stuff usually. No, it's not. I love spicy stuff, but it's not like a regular thing. Yeah. It'd be one of those things where like, I'll do it if I'm with those Mexican kids again. Yeah. Yeah. For me, like I have the threshold to handle spice. Like I, I can take spice pretty well. It's just not a flavor I'm fond of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Alrighty. So I think that's plugs and recs for the week, isn't it? I think that's it. Alrighty. Well then, uh, I guess that's store brand comics for the week. I have been Tio. And I've been Brandon. And now we're not, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care.